Today on The Daily Charge, our highlights from New York Comic Con, the results of our Galaxy Fold test, and tablets, are they the future of PCs? Welcome to CNET's Daily Charge. It's Monday, October 7th. I'm Roger Chang, and with me are Dan Ackerman and Mike Sorrentino. Here are today's stories. So we're still unpacking Microsoft's huge event from last week, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper on the Surface Pro X. So unlike other PCs, this one runs on an ARM chip, which means it runs on the same kind of processor that powers a smartphone. Right. So it's a bit more power efficient, has cellular connectivity baked in, um, but it doesn't play well with all Windows or PC apps, right? Dan, break it down for us. Uh, well, Surface Pro yeah. X was definitely the thing I got the most emails and tweets about after the event, probably because yep. it seemed the most different, except for those Neo and Duo dual screen things. Yep. But those are really just prototypes that you're not going to see until at least a year from now, if not more. So what they did here was they took the the Qualcomm Snapdragon style chip that's in mm-hmm. a bunch of laptops and tablets already yep. and said, we're making our, we're doing a tweaked custom Microsoft version. We're calling it the SQ1. Um, but it's really basically the same, the same I lo- thing. I love the rebranding. It's kind of like the, when Apple the rebrands yeah. chip, you know. Uh, Somebody said, "Does it stand for like uh, you know, like Snapdragon something?" Like, no, just just it's just letters, just, it's just a designation. Yeah, 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 sure. So, like the Surface, it's a tablet. You clip on a keyboard. Unlike the regular Surface Pro, the stylus goes in a cool little uh, pocket right above the keyboard. Right. So it snaps in there. It recharges from there. Uh, everyone kind of likes that part. And uh, they claim it'll have pretty long battery life, not really as long as some of the other Qualcomm laptops well, so we've seen. My my question about it is these these Qualcomm powered laptops, these Snapdragon powered laptops. I mean, generally they don't run all the apps that you want them to run, right? Is that still going to be a big inhibiting factor? It's a little hit or miss, uh, and this goes way back uh, two years ago to the first generation of these. Yeah. Uh, Lenovo had one, HP had one. But they were announced in Asus Hawaii at that Qualcomm right, Pro exactly. uh, yeah, event. And a few of those products came out, and frankly, we did not find them that impressive because, number one, the battery life was not like the 24 hours they talked about. Uh, it was like yeah. 12 or 13, which is good, but not extraordinary. Right. Uh, they weren't really any cheaper than regular laptops, mm-hmm. so you weren't saving any money by doing this. And again, they had some compatibility issues with some apps. It's right. a little hit or miss, uh, but some things just won't work on them because you're not using an Intel and Windows platform. You're using a, 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 a an ARM platform, and it's just not going to be 100% compatible with every Windows app. And Microsoft isn't the only one doing this. Samsung has the Galaxy Book S as well. So uh, I'm just curious, uh, does this represent sort of that that next wave, the future of laptops? Here's the thing. Uh, The first generation came and went. Wasn't that impressive? Frankly, nobody asked for them. They did a little mini second generation. Again, same thing. This is the kind of thing they keep trying to make happen over and over again, even though no one's asking for it. It is a solution in search of a problem. Mm. That said, the the Pro X and the Galaxy Book S might be very nice. We'll, we'll get them, we'll test them, we'll see. Uh, but no one is really beating down the doors for these. Yes, it's probably easier to get always-on LTE connections, but you could still do that in most, especially business laptops, pretty sure. easily. You sure. just got to pay for a plan every month. Same thing with these. Here's my biggest problem. With the, Samsung, uh, with the Surface Pro X, just like every other Surface Pro, the 999 just gets you the tablet part. Uh, if you want the keyboard yeah. and you want the stylus, which they always show with it, you really need those. I think get the two of them together, 269 extra. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not quite. Uh, Every Surface Pro has had this problem. I yeah. think it's a great keyboard, 
But unless you put it in the box, you're really kind of being a little dishonest with people when you show the product right. off. Uh, to be fair, that's not just a Microsoft problem, right? Apple does the same thing with the iPad, right? They don't. But a lot of other guys include the keyboard in their in their two-in-one Apple boxes. Apple does not, though. Well, because really that's show, not a laptop. That's right. a mobile OS thing. They really show the Surface on its own ever. It's always attached with those Correct. items anyway. Yeah, that's true. All right. Speaking of Samsung, last week we put the Galaxy Fold through its paces, placing it in a machine that continuously folded and unfolded the device... It lasted 14 hours and got through 120,000 folds before its hinge got damaged and, well, half the screen blacked out. That represents about three years of use, which you know, seems impressive, except it falls a bit short of Samsung's claims of 200,000 folds or five years. Dan? And frankly, it, it failed somewhere. I was watching this uh Live, basically. I was fascinated. This was so great. Were you there the whole uh, 14 uh, hours? <laughs> I, you know, that's amazing. I mean, it was a mesmerizing I, I dodged back in occasionally. Right. But it, it died somewhere between 110 and 120. We don't know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. where. We 120 exactly, is the... You're right. It fell short of 120, It was sure. definitely 119 is when they checked yes, it, yeah. when it started uh, sounding weird. Um, you know, that's a tough one, because when you say 200, that's usually at least 200. It's like the IKEA chair-sitting right, robot right. that checks the I mean, chairs for to you. To be fair, mm. and I want to be fair to Samsung on this... I don't think folks are going to be opening and closing their phone no. 120,000 times straight. So the added stress of the continuous folding and unfolding might have had you know, a, a much sharper reaction to or impact on the phone. I would respectfully counter that and say riding around in your pocket or your bag or being tossed around your house is probably rougher on the device than having one static angle uh, where a machine is not going to overextend I, it I or would do anything damaging I would disagree because it. if it's in your pocket, it's not... It's not Stressing the hinge point. I mean, just general wear and tear, just being knocked around like your phone. And gets. the force right, of the well, machine no, But itself. knocking it around doesn't mess with the hinge. Opening it un and closing does mess with the hinge. I think that's kind of the issue here. That said, I think it's awesome. I still kind of want one. Yeah, that's the thing. Does it change your opinion on this? It's a two thousand dollar phone. That's and, the you know, that's you know, you expect something like that to actually last for a while. I mean, Mike, what do it's you? It's really think? an early adopter phone, though. It's like it I is. think it's someone who's going to. They know what they're getting if they're spending $2,000 on this thing. They know that it's going to be a phone that's going to only get, like, in future iterations, that first one will look really old, even though that first one was $2,000, like the right. very first Apple Watches, which, like, they're not even Well, that said, I mean, three years is probably plenty of time. If you can afford a $2,000 phone as, like, probably your second phone as a, as a gimmick phone, you can probably afford to upgrade the next year and the year after that, right? It's still insane. All right, <laughs> lastly, Honestly. New York Comic Con just wrapped up in our own. Mike Sorrentino and Dan Ackerman both attended this year's show. Guys, what are some of the biggest highlights? Mike, you were covering this yeah. directly. What, what, what did you see? Uh, the biggest one for me was definitely the Star Trek panel on Saturday, the Picard trailer in particular. Um, got a huge, um, huge reaction from the crowd that was there. Uh, Jonathan Franks, William Rikers, first uh, Deanna Troy being, yep. for the first time being yep. appearing in it. Um, they, were, they made a point, though, that this won't be necessarily a Star Trek The Next Generation reunion. They're mm -hmm. trying to at least say, like, if any character is coming back, it's for a specific reason in their arc. And it's really just Picard's story. Yeah, a lot of haunting data. Yeah, a lot of focus right. focus on, on Picard. And, and just to full disclosure, CBS, uh, Star Trek is a CBS show. CBS owns Cena as well. Mm -hmm. But beyond Star Trek, were there any other highlights from uh, the show? Um, I watched the Watchmen uh, first episode, which oh, yeah. uh, comes out on the 20th, I believe, on HBO. And Watchmen, um, it leans a little bit, it's a little bit more like in that first episode, like The Handmaid's Tale or A Man mm. in the High Castle, taking this alternate future with a couple tweaks, uh, highly charged with um, like a bit of police violence in the first episode and a bit of uh, like racism groups. 
Um, there's a little bit of sci-fi, but I feel like it's going to come later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was extremely like I happened to be next to like a theater screen, a theater speaker, and there was like a subwoofer like beating. There's lots and lots of music. Like <laughs> they had R and B for some outros, and at uh, when the gunfights began, there's like kind of like a Matrix style um, EDM in the background. Uh, yeah. I feel like music is going to be a, a big instrumental point in the way they tell this story. Um, but it should be. I mean, I'm, I came into it like a little bit skeptical, but out of it, like kind of excited. It's taking place after the books, so it's going to be just going forward in the world, so it doesn't touch anything about the books. Gotcha. Hopefully. And Dan, speaking of Watchmen, you, you spoke to Dave Gibbons, right? Uh, yeah, and I actually, we didn't specifically talk about the new series, but we talked about Watchmen and we talked about some games he's working on. Um, I did something unusual at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. I bought some actual comics. Oh. Wow. Because it's really People more about video games and movies and toys. Stuff? I know, right? Yeah. I do. I got, uh, I got the, some new series I hadn't seen before, uh, uh, Blade Runner 2019, oh. uh, with some Sid Mead designed covers, which I thought was very cool. So I started yeah. reading that. That was pretty cool. And I got the graphic novel version of William Gibson's never-produced Alien 3 script, which Dark Horse put out in a graphic novel hardcover this year. Uh, so I got that, too. And uh, we were just discussing. I played some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, yes. stand-up take-it-home arcade game you should, from Arcade One. By the way, you should check out our YouTube video. Bridget did that. It was fantastic. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. This is Dan Ackerman and this is Mike Sorrentino. Thank you for joining us. Can't get enough? Check out The Daily Supercharge, our extended post-show with special features, audience Q&A, and in-depth reviews. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.